Hey, yeah, it's Seth. I'm shooting from the hip here. Uh, it's March 16th, 2020. Uh, we're in a bit of a coronavirus self... I'm not going to say self-quarantine, because uh, we're not quarant... Well, it's like a quarantine. It's a self-seclusion that we're practicing here at our house. We don't know who's got what. We don't feel sick. But we know that we could be carrying stuff for uh, two weeks on us as carriers. And so we are not sure what to do. We're going outside a lot. We're not interacting with other folks. We're not going to stores. We're stocking up. I am interested, though, in in creating community online right now. So I'm doing some Zoom groups this week. I'm doing a reading circle on Thursday morning. Uh, and I have some other things going on, but I'm interested in bringing you guys some content. It's been quite a while since I've put out any new content and it feels like something I want to do this week. So I'm going to read a story that I wrote. I don't know when I wrote this actually. Uh, I wrote it around 2001, obviously I wrote it when I was at Iowa or right after Iowa. Uh, This story is called Tuesday. It's really about uh, 9-11, and I'm reading it today because it connects to a lot of the feelings that I've been having in these past days. Um, So I'll read the story, and then I'll talk a little bit about what I was thinking when I wrote the story or what the story is about for me, Uh, and I'm happy to hear your feedback about the story questions or thoughts. Um, You can respond to it on Facebook or by email using my Seth Harwood at Gmail account address or um, right there on Patreon. This will be free on Patreon and on my um, feed. So I hope you'll check it out. I hope that you will enjoy it. And I'd love to hear from you in terms of what else you would like to do or have me do around community at this time when many of us are sequestered. Um, It's a weird time. I'm open to the dialogue. I'm open to sharing. And if you'd like to do a, a reading event via Zoom or join a workshop or join a sit down and write session, uh, drop me a message on one of these platforms and let me know. You will find me, and thank you. So this story is called Tuesday. I have to check to see. This was never published anywhere. Um, So there you go. Tuesday. The first thing we did was turn on the television. Solomon always started his computer when he woke up. His homepage was the New York Times, so he knew. He came out of his rooms with his room with his hands over his head. I'd never seen him like this before. He told us to turn on CNN. We saw the towers, the smoke rising up in a plume from one side. Of course, it didn't look real. We listened intently to the voices. The same image seemed to be on all of the channels, Fox, CNN, NBC, CBS, for some explanation of what we were seeing. Who knows now exactly what we thought in those first minutes? Fire, probably. Nothing more than a fire. 
I thought it was just a fire, something that could be fixed and would not change our world. I might even have laughed at the sight, at the surprising change to the familiar and inevitable skyline, the dark single plume. Jesus, Mark said, this is so fucking fucked. I used to work there, I told them. Solomon went to get himself a bowl of cereal. Another plane hit the second tower, and they started to find footage of the first plane hitting the first tower. Unbelievable home video shot without knowing what would happen, but capturing it all, the huge collision. The inevitable had come to be. Enough of us were wired together now to be capable of capturing any singular event. I guess I should have seen this coming from Rodney King, but still... Just running this like a regular reading. Pause to drink. Not editing. Hope it's okay. I wanted to know where the parts of the plane were. What had happened to the people on the sidewalks down below. I knew there had to be pieces. Big chunks of it all over. Now we saw two plumes. I thought of the people going to work for the day. Those who'd be turned away at the path terminal below. I watched the smoke. Soon Mark got up to go to class. He had called and they said it wasn't canceled, that the class he was TAing would still go on. <clears throat> he lit a cigarette in the living room, and I looked at Solomon. Mark didn't smoke, and we'd always upheld a house rule against smoking inside. But as Mark walked away from the TV, took a drag and exhaled, headed out onto the porch and then turned and walked down our sunny Middle America Street in Iowa. He trailed a line of smoke behind him, a thin trail from the cigarette held below his waist. I watched through the window as he went, saw him moving down the sun-streaked sidewalk beside the gray image on the TV. It occurred to me that the Midwest was an unusually safe place to be. On the television, the image was now tiled with another image, the Pentagon in flames. Though maybe the flames weren't so much a part of it. The, the building was made not to burn. I could imagine that not many people worked there. Who knew what was inside such a place? And that could have been when they started to say they could see people fall. Or more specifically, people are starting to jump from the North Tower and... We can see people jumping out of the windows. We could hear screams from the street below through our TV set, and then the network must have cut the live sound feed. The tile of the smoking pentagon went away, and the tower's image grew larger. I looked at Solomon. He shook his head. My own emptied bowl of cereal sat among the magazines before me on the coffee table. This is fucking fucked, I said. It's like it's not real. Like this is a movie. Solomon put down his spoon, but did not look away from the TV. This is real, he said. I got the phone and tried to call my parents in Boston, an ex-girlfriend in New York. A recording told me that all circuits were busy now, and to try again later. The whole East Coast is shut down, I said. Do the phones here work? I hung up and dialed a friend on the other side of town. I just called my mom in California, and that went through fine, Solomon said. The phone started ringing at Ron's. He answered. It's the East Coast, the Northeast, I said. It's all down. What? 
Ron asked, answering the phone. Solomon nodded. Are you watching this? Ron said, it's fucked. Not much later, the towers fell. I remember, as much as I remember any of it, my my first thoughts exactly when I saw them crumple down, that there was no way it could be happening. Like a character in a cartoon, all I could say was, no. Solomon turned the channel. The same thing was still happening on CNN, a world of smoke engulfing downtown. That afternoon, the university pep band began to practice on the field nearby. I was still on the couch. Mark had gone to class and come home. Ron had come over to watch in the company of other people. What the fuck is that? Ron asked. Pep band. Mark did not look away from the TV. Today, I said. What is wrong with them? They've already said that all college football is canceled this weekend. The sound of the drum corps metronome was a consistent chick, 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 like someone pounding a metal spike. The drumming itself sounded distant, but the, con- but the time machine kept on. Jesus. Ten minutes later, I got up off the couch. Where are you going? Mark asked. Outside, the trees on our block shifted slightly in the wind. Sun bathed the sidewalks on our front lawn. Here, the sound of the metal hammer seemed louder. When I lived in New York, I'd worked in the Trade Center for the first 15 months, not in one of the tall white buildings, but in one of the smaller black ones around their sides. After that, I lived near Houston Street, shared a backyard and a basketball hoop with a firehouse whose firefighters were probably dead. I walked past the empty houses of my neighbors, A man stood collecting his trash cans at the curb and our eyes met. He shook his head. Some awful day, he said. I know. What do we do now? He shook his head again, lifted a plastic trash can onto a rolling cart. Take the trash cans back to the garage. Why do they have to practice their drums, I asked. He stopped. That's what they do. It's their time. He turned away and went back to wheeling a big green can up his driveway toward the house. At the end of our block was a field. Here we played football that Thanksgiving, when things had begun to be normal. But the field was empty now. Across the street, on a small patch of lawn where children held Saturday morning soccer games, the drum corps stood in a circle, drums protruding from their waists. In the sun, I stood across the street from them wearing the gray sweats I'd first thrown on, unshowered at two in the afternoon and wearing the t-shirt I'd slept in. After waiting for a car to pass, I crossed the street and stood next to them, just outside of their circle. I looked on. They didn't notice me, didn't stop their playing. Their machine chicked on. It looked like a small silver amplifier with a handle on top. I wanted to wave my hands and make them stop. I wanted to be a person who would go to them and yell, tell them something to make them see. How could anyone think about football at a time like this? Think about something as ancillary to the world as the music that people listen to at football games. Didn't even listen to, really. How could someone even think about drumming? But they didn't see me or stop to notice if they did. 
They stopped drumming, and the one in the middle, their leader, said something, and then he waved his arms, and they started again. One drummer, only a young girl, Asian-American with a college T-shirt on, stood close to me. I could imagine her painting her face for game day. A larger guy, tall, white, and overweight, stood beside her. He wore his hair long, down below his shoulders, and had a scraggly goatee. His stomach stuck out from his middle, pushing away the drum, so he had to play it with straight arms, his elbows fully extended. I saw a late arrival, perhaps a beleaguered drummer, someone with real cares about the world and not just a mid-afternoon calculus exam to finish before he could come to practice. I turned to approach him as he came forward. This led me back up the street, and that was where I met him, this late arrival. He made to walk past me. Hey, I said. Hey, excuse me. He looked at me and stopped, unsure of who I was or what I might be capable of. What are you people doing? I said. His eyes narrowed. He looked over my shoulder at the others and then back at me. What? he asked. How can you do this today? Who cares about the drums today? I'm sorry? I don't know what you're... What is that machine? I said. He looked at where I pointed. It helps us keep time. Is it absolutely fucking necessary? I asked. The guy looked around. Just another kid, really. Someone who'd been forced to play the drums growing up and now had finally found a place where he could fit in, where this was in some way cool. He looked at me like I was a crazy person. Somebody let out of a place that shouldn't have let him out. Maybe that's what my house was. A place grad students lived and drank beer in. Maybe that's what my house, a place grad students lived and drank beer in, really was. I don't know, he said. He looked toward the others, looked around me as if I weren't there. Let's go ask them to turn it off, I said. He kicked a rock into the street. Then he looked at me and shook his head. I don't think we can do that, he said. This is what we do, how we practice. He opened his hands, held them out by his sides. Then he shrugged, started to step around me and move toward his friends. I turned and watched him go. I could still hear the metallic clinking of the machine, as prominent as ever. As I watched him strap on his drum, already readying his sticks, I knew that he wouldn't say anything to the leader, that the machine would not stop today for the world. I listened to the chick, 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 the sound that told these people to keep on. Keep drumming like you've always done. Keep, keep cheering for the team to win, for the quarterback, for your heroes. Drum in time. Keep the beat. I watched the straggler join the others, find his place in the circle, take up his sticks. He nodded at the small girl, smiled, and began to beat his drums with his sticks. Began to beat his drum with his sticks. I wanted to wave my arms again to run into their circle and take the machine and make it stop. In a moment, I knew I would turn to go home, walk back to my house, my own battles, my couch, my friends, my TV. But for a moment, I just stood there, hoping everything, or even something, would change. I wished the world would stop, even for a minute, that people would maybe learn something, decide to be quieter, try to listen, but the machine kept on going. 
Then I heard the sound of the new drummer adding his beat to the others, making their group just a little bit louder, if not more. That is the story Tuesday that I wrote probably 18 years ago now, somewhere around uh, 2002, somewhere around there. 2001, 2002. I remember when 9-11 happened, I didn't even think it made sense to call it 9-11. It felt like it should have been called September 11th. And we didn't need to shorten it, which of course we did. And in some respects, on some level, inconceivable though it is to me, it was just a Tuesday I read that now, 18 years later, and it feels like, it sounds like Dennis Johnson to me. It feels like it was an earlier time in my writing, a time where I was darker. There's a darkness in that story that it dives into with much less fear or much more willingness than I do in my writing now. And maybe that was... Not something that publishers wanted. I don't know. This isn't about publishers. But anyway, I read it now and it's a little bit dark. And maybe I was darker then. And I was thinking about this story uh, this morning as I was in my house looking out the window. We're basically staying in our house now and only going out on our own. We're hiking and walking And yesterday, I actually spent more time outdoors than I have in as long as I can remember. I did work in the yard, front yard, backyard, played a lot of badminton with Kelly, made a fire, cooked marshmallows and hot dogs on a stick, tried to drain some water out of the pool with a pump that wasn't big enough. I was outdoors, and it felt good. And soon I'll stop this and go back outdoors. But it felt like it was worth sharing something, at this point, and so I wanted to record this today, and maybe I'll record another story tomorrow. There's parts of uh, as much protein as an egg that feel like they uh, they fit with this. There's parts of that that connect to 9-11. And all of this, with us sequestering, that's the only thing that I can connect to this. And the reason it connects for me with this story right now is that... Um, Yeah, you know, people are getting different elements of how much they get the message, how much they should stay sequestered or quarantined. A woman came to our house yesterday asking if we needed work done on the house. She works for a company that does, I don't know, construction. And they're working on some houses on the street. I don't know when. But she was going door to door to ask if we wanted work done on the house. And it felt inappropriate for her to be going door to door and not at home, sequestered. And she said that she had taken her temperature and she wasn't sick. And I pointed out that it could take two weeks for the virus that could be on you, and you could be a carrier for two weeks and not sick. And she said, I know, that part doesn't make sense. And she's making a buck, right? She doesn't know why she's out there or why her company is still doing this. 
but they're paying her and that's her job. So she was doing it and I don't blame her. And we talked and it was nice and we didn't shake hands and we stayed six feet apart no matter if she had her hand sanitizer or not, which she showed me. Uh, And social distancing is the nice way to say what I'm doing. And I like the idea that we're seeing one another on media using Zoom or FaceTime or good old-fashioned phone calls with our loved ones. And there's a guy across the street who's having his roof repaired right now. They've been banging on it all day. Those guys are at work repairing a roof, working together. And studies are showing that we need to have social interaction with as few people as possible, some of the studies. And who knows what folks are doing. Upstairs, Kelly and Will are coming in from being outside, and I'm going to go up and join them in a minute. I wrote this story about my experience when I was in graduate school in Iowa. Pretty much all of it is true. I didn't go out and stop the drum corps, and maybe this moment is over-considered. But this was the aesthetic of a short story for me when I wrote it. And there's something to it still. The question that I had that day was whether we were going to meet for workshop. Tuesday night was our workshop, and we were all working with Marilyn Robinson. And she said that we would still meet. And the story that we were supposed to talk about, there were two, both of them by writers, who went on to publish pretty well. Uh, And I couldn't read them. I went to workshop, not prepared, and we just ended up talking. We ended up talking about what our experiences were and what we were thinking about that day. And a week later, we talked about those two stories, and we changed the schedule, and that was fine. Uh, But we met, we talked, and it was useful. And then afterwards, some of us went out to dinner, and that felt good as well. We disagreed. There was disagreement in that group about what our attitudes should be or who we should be angry at. And it was okay. All of it was okay. (sighs) And it's nice to be together in a time like that. If you're interested in reading a story today, I would recommend to you Raymond Carver's A Small Good Thing. One of my favorites. That's what I got. Hope I'll get more to you this week. And again, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Comment on this thread. Send me an email. Hit me on Facebook or Patreon. And uh, let me know what you think. Or if you would like some sort of Zoom call set up. On Thursday mornings from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., I convene a writing circle at the local library that will be online through Zoom and you're welcome to come. We basically just introduce ourselves and then sit and write. And then at the end, talk about what happened in our writing. So if you'd like to be there, feel free to come. And I wish you all the best. Have a great day, everyone.